sacred rituals, and a cosmic community to enchant your mystical life. This podcast feels like soulful conversations by the fire and under the desert stars. As if you are hanging with your best friends, talking about purpose, the cosmos, and the divine journey we are all on. My name is Anna Alic, and this is the Topanga Moon Podcast. Welcome back to Topanga Moon Podcast. If you are new to this podcast, so happy you are stopping by and checking it out. Welcome. This is going to be a good one today. And right now I'm recording the intro outside and it feels so nice to say that as we're finally getting some beautiful weather it's been a long time coming. May has been a little little up and down, as you all know. <laughs> um, it's always been my intention to just re- even record episodes outside and interviews. I mean, my, my dream scenario, which I know I'm working towards, is being able to do interviews outside, in the desert, under the stars, you know, really feel that nature around and that the beautiful expansive cosmos and and how that really affects and brings so much beauty to a conversation you know I always think of those times where you're like camping or you're out at a cabin and you're sitting around a campfire and that's where all the like interesting conversations and really cool topics come about where you're talking about the stars or you're talking about the universe or at least that's what me and my friends <laughs> do oh i am so excited to present this episode this incredible interview it's with a human design reader nikki J. she's amazing i came across her through um another amazing creative that I follow and as soon as I read her articles and and listened to her podcast I knew she would be an incredible guest to bring on to the podcast she just has such a unique and incredible way that she describes and uses human design to really um, expand your own knowledge of of who you are and the energy type that you are and and your unique design that you've come here with. And Nikki has this beautiful way of describing the energy types and explaining your own personal chart and focuses on the idea that we're all uniquely designed and have our own expressions. And she really is so dedicated to this practice and knowledgeable um, and just such an incredible reader I mean as soon as we had this interview um, which we get into so many other things as well but I knew that I needed to get a reading from Nikki so as soon as the interview was done I went and I booked a session with her which is gonna happen this Friday and I did that on purpose because um, it's the new moon in Gemini 
and I'm a Gemini, and I thought it would be such a beautiful way to celebrate the new moon, um, to get a human design reading with Nikki, and I can't wait, and I'll definitely tell you about it on later podcast episodes so you can hear about my experience getting my own design chart read. So human design is this incredible practice, and there are five main or five different design types. We have manifestors, manifesting generators, generators, projectors, and reflectors. Now, we don't really get into kind of the general um, descriptions of these design types, but we really dive deep into specific design types and things that um, I think a lot of people don't discuss on podcasts or interviews when it comes to human design so I'm so excited that you get to hear maybe this like fresh and new perspective on human design and I think the the main takeaway and and the beautiful message that I received in talking to Nikki was that it is such a nuanced practice and there's so much more than just your general design type that it does really benefit from getting a personal reading because you might have the same design type as somebody else but your the rest of your uh, chart is so different and there's so many other things so yeah this episode has is just such a cool conversation and I can't wait for you to listen to it so if you love human design like me if you're just learning about it this is a great episode to tune into so let's get right into it this is my conversation with human design reader Nikki J and I'm so excited that you're doing this with me. This is so fun. I'm so excited you invited me. This yeah, is very I, fun. I could talk about human design forever because I'm just mm. obsessed with it. But me yeah. too. We can. So, <laughs> welcome to the Topanga Moon podcast. I'm here with Nikki J. She's a human design reader. She's a writer, podcast host. We have those two things in common. I'm also a writer, also a podcast host. Um, I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Anna. Okay, so we're going to get into so much human design topics, but everything. Let's do it. Um, First of all, what is your zodiac sign? Oh, I'm a Cancer. I'm a Cancer sun. I'm an Aquarius moon and a Scorpio rising. I can I can see the Aquarius moon being kind of the like inventive, you know, investigator, like wanting to know systems and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I hadn't actually thought about that correlation, but that yeah, makes perfect yeah. sense. Mm. I'm a I'm a Gemini sun and Gemini moon. Okay. So I always love to know somebody's moon sign because I feel yeah. like it really talks about their internal life and who they're kind of are on the inside. And for me, I'm a double Gemini. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Lots of Gemini energy. Lots of Gemini energy. So I would love to know a little bit about your journey, your story, kind of where you came from, Mm. uh, what led you to working with human design, what brought you to Canada? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, (laughs) It's such a big question. I guess that's Scorpio rising, it's like you've lived a thousand lifetimes, right? So true. Yes. Um, So that's definitely my case, I feel. Um, So I grew up in a really small town in Australia to um, my grandparents are Polish. So they immigrated to Australia after the Second World War and immigrated to this like tiny little town. Um, 
which had a huge migrant population back in the day. But yeah, I grew up there. I went to school there. I just, I, I'm the daughter of a single mother. Um, and finishing high school, I was just itching to get out of this little town. So I moved to um, a coastal city in Australia, just two hours north of Sydney called Newcastle. And so I went there to university. I actually started with a speech pathology degree. I did two years of that before um, moving into my journalism degree. And then I graduated and I moved to Sydney and my first job was at a newspaper. So I worked as a journalist for almost 10 years, but that took me to um, a lot of travel and a lot of different jobs. I lived in Cambodia for a couple of years working as a video journalist and, and I did some adventure travel with, um, with an old boyfriend uh, through Mongolia. We did a, wow. a horse trek and then we did like a huge cycle tour through Europe together. We did about 2000 kilometers, I think on that trip. Um, so I don't know. I just, I moved around a lot. And by the time I wound back in Sydney, um, I just, I knew I was like, I just didn't feel good to, to stay. Mm. I was still, I still had itchy feet, I guess. And, um, the, the beautiful guy I had traveled with, um, we broke up and, um, and then I took a, a job in television in Australia and worked there for a little bit. And that's where I met, um, uh, another guy <laughs> <laughs> who's from Canada originally was okay. born in Canada, yeah. but, um, we started dating and then he had always wanted to move to Toronto because that's where his family was from. And, um, and I was like, cool, well, I just, I'm not ready to stay in Australia. So like, let's go, let's do it. Um, so we wound up in Toronto and that was about five years ago now. Yeah. And yeah, we were together for almost five years um, in parted ways. And now I find myself in Montreal with my Doberman. And yeah, that's kind of like... I guess the general like up and down theme of how I got here and a lot upon of traveling and a lot of exploring mm, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Was it a lot of following your intuition of like, okay, here I want to go and explore this place and going with that kind of flow of the universe. I would say so. I think a lot of it was, <laughs> it was a lot of flow. There was a lot of, <laughs> um, but what's really interesting is there are places that I've been to or was gravitated towards and I had a very instant knowing mm -hmm. if that was somewhere that felt good to me or that I could see myself living in. And interestingly enough, um, I never got that feeling in Toronto, but I pushed, I pushed through anyway and I really tried hard to make it feel good and make it feel like my home, but it never did. Um, I have the same feelings towards Toronto, which is very interesting. But, oh, that it doesn't feel right or that yeah, it does? Yeah, for me, for me, yeah, it doesn't feel right. Ah, I've known that for, I've known that even before I moved to the city because mm -hmm. I live just outside of it. And 
it just, for me, working in the film world, it just made the most sense. But now I'm on this journey to go to where I really feel connected to, which is California. Yeah. So it's just this whole process and, mm. and kind of taking that leap and, and just have that knowing. And also knowing that like, I tried to do it there and it just, mm. for whatever reason. And I really believe that there are certain places in the world that hold vibrational energy for us. And it's like, you start, you start to see when you're thriving in a place mm. that really is connected to you. It's so true. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. I feel like my whole Toronto experience while it was, um, I think necessary and necessary, yeah. absolutely necessary part of my journey. Um, because human design, everything like the, the core of it all happened in Toronto. So, um, but it just, I, I just felt so much resistance being there and I just, I didn't, never quite felt like I met my people and I, I don't know, it was, it was a weird, a weird time, I think for me. Um, but you discovered human design. But I discovered yeah. human design. So oh. that, <laughs> that was, yeah, I, when I first, the first half of my Toronto journey was very much um, a part of myself, like an old part of myself that was just trying to make life work, like following all of the different rules or, or things that apparently are supposed to guarantee success and happiness. And so I played all the roles and and I eventually became super disillusioned. Um, having worked in the news industry for a long time, I, I had to sever my connection to it on a deep level because some, I'm someone who is um, really sensitive to the world around me and engaging in an industry that thrives off fear-mongering and is is this giant business in and of itself churning out just information all the time that's not necessarily true or accurate and there's little time for reflection especially with the 24-hour news cycle um i i grew to become like really sick like spiritually mentally emotionally and and i was just so disillusioned and and i guess that real low point in my experience um led me to start figuring myself out on a deeper level yeah and that ultimately led me to human design um and it was the first time having seen therapists and I've you know experimented with a variety of different modalities and um have I've read a ton of books and had my own kind of thing going on but I never felt fully understood or seen I couldn't see myself being truly reflected back to me in all of those different avenues and when I started learning about human design it was such a deep dive for me because finally I I made sense all of my like weird and wonderful polarities I could see like everything reflected back to me and for the first time I felt I think a sense of empowerment that I wasn't like broken, that I was just made this way. And so then it became an adventure of, okay, like how am I going to start going through my life relating to all of the different facets of myself in a way that is healthy and aligned and allows me to thrive. So 
that all happened in Toronto in the second half of my Toronto journey, which um, also coincided with my satin return. I feel oh, like wow. that's also just important <laughs> to point out. <laughs> a huge, huge moment. <laughs> so, yeah, massive 180 and, um, you know, cue the end of a, a partnership. And the, my ex-partner and I had a business together and oh, wow. we're really entangled in so many different ways. And um, And he's a beautiful soul. I have so much love for him, but... Um, at that point in our journeys, it just, it, it didn't feel right anymore. So yeah. And it's, it's led me to where I am now, which is working as a human design reader, which is wild because never in a million years would I think I would be, you know, doing this. Yeah. Um, did you discover the human design, um, through kind of like this, kind of rediscovery of yourself and ending of a relationship. I always believe that love can be a great teacher for us, oh, God, yeah. you know, and really just kind of shake things up and mm. you back on your path, you know? And mm-hmm. so I wonder if that's kind of, yeah, the relationship itself wasn't, um, yeah, that, that wasn't the catalyst specifically for me. The catalyst was, um, well, as, as I was transitioning, from like the old older version of myself to this current version of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I was moving in different circles, meeting different people, um, involved in different kinds of conversations. And so human design came up and, yeah. and then I was like, Oh, that's really interesting. And then I, um, within like a week or, or a short period of time, uh, was listening to a podcast and came across Jenna Zoe. Mm-hmm. Um, who is is quite a well-known human design reader in the space and I think uh, because prior to coming across her I looked it up and I just found all these like weird ass websites that looked like they were fresh out of like 2000 and and I was like what the fuck is this like this is so okay um and it just wasn't communicated in a way that really you know grabbed me yeah and so hearing Jenna Zoe talk about human design, there was a deep resonance there. I was like, oh, wow, this is so fascinating. Okay. And so through her, um, it felt like a more aligned channel for me to go into my deep diving of it. But the reason I was jumping, what resonated with me was that she was speaking about, so I, I'm a manifester in human design and she was talking about the the highs and lows in the energy that it isn't this sustainable thing. And then she was talking about that generator energy, which is like this kind of sustainable, consistent output. And for me, such a huge pattern in my experience was that I would work myself into the ground, get really burnt out and sick and then kind of do it all again, basically. And I would try and shift something around, but, at this point I had no awareness of, of my energy being like that. I was raised by a generator mother. So there was a lot of conditioning around that for me. And I just grew up believing that my, my worth and value in life was directly attached to my, how hard I worked. Mm. And I never saw rest modeled to me as a kid. My mom was a single mom. So she was working like six days a week. And then on the Sunday we were like, you know, mowing the lawn or like doing shit around the house. And, 
um, and my, my grandparents come from Warsaw, Poland. Like they're yeah. just like they're workers, like everyone's a worker in my family. So I worked and worked and worked and worked. I got my first job at like 11. Um, I've always had side hustle. I've always like been the person that works a six or seven day a week type situation but it's just so incorrect for my energy and it's no wonder I burnt out. And so I was getting to a stage in my life a few years ago where I was so fed up with it because again, I'd come down with like sickness and my glands would pop up and I would just be a mess. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why can't I keep up with everyone else? Like, this is not something that seems to plague anyone else that I know in like the work sphere. Um, yeah, I find that um, it when you discover human design and start to understand your design type and then go kind of deeper into it and yeah. and obviously even getting a reading, which is totally another level of it because it's so specific, that it starts to give people the liberty to be who they are, mm-hmm. like the permission. Because like you said, I think um, it was on your podcast, you were saying how it's a unique expression of your Mm. blueprint Mm. as opposed to this generalized way that we want all of our you know people in society to be like yeah yeah and as you're saying like I'm a generator so I understand the whole working so many so many hours but for me the big realization was when I was doing that in work environments that didn't feel my soul like fuel my soul yeah yeah so that's which where depletes I, you exactly, and I was like, "This doesn't make sense." It's like I know I can work really hard, yeah. But I'm so exhausted when I'm yeah. doing a job that doesn't feel right to me. Mm. And you I create was, energy yeah. when you do work that feels really aligned for you, and that's where the energy comes from to like do and do and do and do. So yeah. otherwise, you're running on almost reserves that you don't have, and yeah, that lackluster feeling towards a job as a generator, if you're feeling tired is a signal that it's, you know, not probably not correct for you. Yeah. I would love to hear about how people can work more with their design types Mm -hmm. and kind of this idea of um, owning that own unique expression within the blueprint of the design. Like how can we really use it within the different design types that are available? I think the first thing that's so important is that you, I mean, you need to learn what your human design type is and you need to be willing to take action on that. Mm. It's not something that you just learn and then go, oh, well, I have generator energy or I have projector energy or whatever it is. You need to become intimately familiar with your strategy first and foremost. Mm. And if you don't, the only way to do that is in action in day-to-day life. So as a manifester for me, that was informing for you as a generator, it's learning to respond. Um, So, so many generators and projectors often think that they have to make things happen. Yes, that's a huge thing that I get tripped up on so many times. And some of my projector friends too are saying that they're like, how do we, we feel like we have to go out and do stuff to make it happen and then for me I get frustrated because and that I mean that's the my non-self theme is frustration when it's like not working for me yeah yeah and so that's some of the deepest conditioning for 
generators and projectors to overcome this notion that if you want it, you have to go out and make it happen. And that's more in alignment for someone with the manifest energy. But the beauty for you guys is, is that you get to have this um, symbiotic relationship with life itself. And you get to trust that life is always going to happen. And you, in a way, get to surrender a little bit to that and allow it to come to you or meet you in the middle to give you something to respond to or waiting for that invitation and then taking that up. Otherwise, if you're acting outside of that strategy, you're trying to be a manifester and then you're going to hit your not self theme because that's not the way your energy was made to work because the energy itself is invisible, of course, but it, it, it is this container around us within approximately like six feet, you know, circumference around our physical body. And it contains all of the information that, that makes us our unique energetic constitution of a person. And within that energy body, we also contain the conditioning. So it's going to feel off to others if we're operating outside of our energy type. Everything will feel off. Think about it. If you know a generator that's doing a job that they really don't like, they're yeah. miserable to be around. You don't want to be around them. <laughs> yeah, because they're like really down. But when they're doing stuff that really lights them up, they're so like juicy and zesty and contagious and you just want to be around them all the time. And that's because they're literally creating energy when they're doing what they love. And that energy overflows and it's a gift to those non-sacrals, the projectors, reflectors and manifestors. We can ride off that wave, that like amazing sort of delicious thing that you're creating with yourself internally. So yeah, it's, it's, I mean, th that sensation you get when you're meeting someone, if something feels off about their energy, it's probably because they're living super out of alignment in some respect. Yeah. And not within kind of the design that can help them navigate. Yeah. Yeah. So onto life. Yeah. So to circle back to your question, like I think the most important thing is to practice in day-to-day -day life using your strategy, depending on what your type is um, in all areas of your life, because and you can start small to build up that trust muscle because ultimately like you get in your head and you're talking yourself out of it and you're trying to rationale and that voice will be like, yeah, but you know, if you sit back and relax, nothing's going to happen, but you need to give it an opportunity to come and meet you so that you can show yourself that it's, mm -hmm. it's working for you and you can start to trust that inbuilt mechanism that you have within your energy body yeah. um, to navigate your way through life. I love that. And let's take an example. Let's say a projector who mm -hmm. needs to wait for the invitation. And let's mm -hmm. say they're running their own business. And, you know, usually if you're an entrepreneur or running your own business, you, this is the idea of soliciting and, and kind of like getting the word out there. But for mm -hmm. a projector, you know, what would be the best way for them to maybe use their splenic authority? Um, and how can they kind of, I guess, yeah, trust and allow it to, to work are you that. asking specifically for a splenic projector because projectors aren't necessarily splenic oh yes that's true <laughs> there's different <laughs> okay, so let's say splenic projector <laughs> okay so that's like um getting pretty specific but um so 
first of all, just to break it down, the projector energy is interesting because projectors inherently have this because they see into things and situations and others so clearly they too desire to be truly seen and recognized for their essence and who they are. Um, but what so often happens is when you carry that projector energy, people are projecting onto you a variety of things and, and that's not necessarily helping you feel seen by them. Um, so what's really important is to take the reliance away from needing others to see you clearly and instead spend time seeing yourself and recognizing yourself and getting really clued into what your gifts are and what your strengths are and where your areas of wisdom and genius lie. Because if you're trying to push it all out into the world, right. it's going to land on deaf ears. So the people that truly see and when you see and recognize yourself, you're projecting outwards the magic you have to share with the world, which can then be received by others to come to you. It's like you draw them in. It creates this um, pull towards you and then people will come towards you and quote unquote invite you to either share your wisdom, your advice, knowledge, whatever it is you're sharing, whatever line of work you're in. But but that's the correct way to go through using that energy. And then, of course, if you're splenic, the, the, when we're talking about authorities, there's a variety of them available, but basically that is how you're designed to make your decisions. Mm -hmm. And so I think splenic is maybe one of the more challenging authorities to develop a relationship with because um, the spleen speaks to us in the moment, in the now. So that requires you to be very present. So as a splenic projector, I would encourage you to, um, if you don't have a meditation or, or, or practice of presence, to engage with that and be really mindful of how you're feeling in those moments. Um, the spleen can speak through fear. So the spleen can come to you in a feeling of fear and unless you're actually like in trouble and need to, to act if there's like a, a, a tiger about to pounce or something. Um, but if the fear is, is, you know, a fear of failure or a fear of, um, you know, being inadequate or showing up short or something like that, that's actually telling you what direction you need to go to because you need to step through that fear. So that's the action that you would have to take that would be correct for you. So the spleen can speak to you as fear. The spleen can speak to you in nervousness and anxiety. And it, of course, can speak to you in like a very primal, protective way, um, which might just, you know, guide you down one street over another and you don't really think about it too much. But then you learn the next day that there was a shooting in that street that you were potentially going to walk down. You could be like, oh, holy shit. Normally I go down there, but for whatever reason, I decided to take a different route. So um, they're the ways that the spleen speaks to you, but it is very much in the moment and you need to be present and with it. And, and the idea is that you act on that, that impulse quite instantly, because if you wait, it then will travel into the mind and the mind is going to want to rationalize everything. And the spleen isn't rational. The emotional center isn't rational. Yep. Like none of it's rational, only the mind works in reason and logic. So um, 
and that's hard for us as humans to reconcile like being in the head and trying to logically make sense of something when our our physical or energetic intelligence is telling us to do something else so is that that concept that you were saying of um acting from the mind versus responding kind of from yeah yeah definitely i mean we we all know what it is to get stuck in our heads and try to rationalize something or or make reason of something but um, no person on the planet is designed to make decisions from the mind. The mind is a really powerful tool and it can help us problem solve and it can, and can help us create. It can help us do all sorts of, you know, miraculous things, but making decisions is not one of them. So it's important for us as individuals to become intimately connected to the authority that we carry within us that helps us make those decisions that are correct for us. Like our body, our energy body has its own unique way of um, guiding us down the path that we're supposed to go down and make those decisions that are correct for us. And it doesn't come from the mind, you know, like, yeah, it's, I think it doesn't matter what energy type you are or what authority you have if you catch yourself starting to go into that place of reason and justifying or, or going against the decision that feels instinctively correct for you, Mm -hmm. then you've, you've like, you've gone one step too far. Yeah. That's been a huge game changer for me in Mm -hmm. researching more. And, um, I definitely need to get a full like chart done because I know that there's so much more detail and nuance Mm -hmm. to Yes specificity in involved in the human design chart but that was a big thing for me to learn as a sacral authority and really just trusting my gut intuition because Mm. you know my I'm I'm a Gemini my mind is such a you know loud voice within Mm -hmm. my kind of communicative sign of a Gemini so it was this kind of relearning and and remembering that it's really Mm. my gut that that's when it's always right. Like I Mm -hmm. always, you know, looking back on hindsight, recognize the moments where when I trusted my gut, even if it, no one else like understood why I was doing something, it always led me down the right path. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just like, it's just like a trusting within your own Mm -hmm. design type. Mm-hmm. So I would love to get a little bit more into um, what are profiles because there's so many other aspects of, of human design. So what yeah. are profiles? So our profile is, um, I guess, in its most simplistic form, it can speak to us a little bit about our personality mm-hmm. and how we see ourselves and how other people see us. Um, there's a lot more contained within the personality, uh, within the profile than just that. But, um, the, there are 12 different profiles and ultimately depending on whether the smaller number comes at the front or the bigger number, uh, that can indicate, um, kind of how we're supposed to, uh, make our way through life in the sense that we're here to, if you have the smaller number at the front, you're born under what is called a right angle in human design. So like your life process is going to be more about understanding yourself and valuing, valuing yourself internally and, um, going on your own journey to really make sense of who you are. And I guess in some ways it can seem like you have a more self-absorbed process. Mm. Um, that's not a bad thing. It's just that 
your the way for you to ultimately come to a place of differentiation in human design is to really get into your own world and go into your own um, space. And then if you have that bigger number at the front, um, that's more aligned. That's a left angle cross. And that's uh, very much that you inherently have a sense of who you are, but you get a great deal of your self-worth through almost external validation in a way like people saying, Oh, like, like you're so great. Thank you. Thank you. That's going to really make those people feel really good. If you have the smaller number at the front and you're seeking external validation, you might feel good for a hot second, but you'll still go home at night and, and your work is to do very much internally in that sense. Not to say that like, this is a generalization. Yeah. Yeah. It has, it, there's so much more involved. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Oh gosh, there's so much information so in much. Profiles and I could talk about it, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I think the profiles also speak to us about how we learn and, and how we, um, process information. So someone with a, a three in their profile, that's like a very experimental, energy they learn through experience they gain their wisdom through experience um someone with a one in their profile they're someone who probably will do really well to like study and and go to university potentially and they're the kinds of people that can read a thousand books and then become an expert because they've read all about it i have um, one <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I, have, um, I have one Okay. You're a five one. Five one. Yeah. Okay, cool. So yeah, the five is that the energy of like the messenger or, oh. or a teacher, right? So okay. yeah, you would see yourself as someone who would want to like, um, communicate what you have to know. I mean, it makes sense. You have yeah. a beautiful podcast. podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's important for you to like share your teachings. Okay. Um, and then the one is of course, like getting to the bottom of things, like mm-hmm. doing the research, um, a one is someone who, you know, it might be correct for you before you go on a vacation or something that you would like research, um, where you're going to stay or like what restaurants you would want to go to and sort of that kind of thing. Um, and, and the five one together creates this energy of like, I guess, um, like problem solving for the world. Like you're, you're here to, um, find solutions and then share them and communicate them with others. Um, that, that relates to me so much. <laughs> yeah. The thing that's interesting with the five though, is it has a projection field. So in a lot of ways, the five can relate to a projector in the sense that people can project onto you, um, how they think they see you, but it may not necessarily be who you are. So you could have a tendency sometimes to feel really unseen by others. Um, Cause what they often do is project a lot of capability onto the five one, like, Oh, you're so capable. You can do this. You can do that. Mm-hmm. And then it creates this sense of like, yes, I can. And so you almost feel like a hero when you've got that five in your chart where you want to, um, you know, save the day and like fix problems and something happens and you can like problem solve on the fly and you can get in there and do it. But um, it's important to revert back to your authority for you, that sacral to def- decide whether a situation lights you up and you want to invest that like fifth line energy into problem solving. Wow. It's- Otherwise you could become resentful, right? You could just be like, oh, I do all these things for other people and they don't even appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 
I love that the design type and the profile, they work in accordance with each other. You know, it's like knowing that I have the sacral and then also recognizing the, the uh, profile type mm. and, and what that means. And I feel like there's even like so much more involved in a chart and it is definitely nuanced. <laughs> like I said, yeah, like, yeah, it getting is. a reading would be, I feel like just so beneficial because we are all unique and we all have very specific things to us. Um, there is something that I never understood within the charts. Uh, what is it called? It's a, uh, where I wrote it down here. One second. Um, the incarnation cross. Mm. What is that? So let me give you, <laughs> I, I actually, just before we started chatting, I did a reading for um, a woman who works in film. So I used this analogy for her. Okay. Wow. That's, I love that connection too. It's very synchronistic. <laughs> so if you think about in human design, if you think about a movie, the um, the energy type you carry is equivalent to the role you play in a movie. Mm, okay. And the profile you carry is the personality of that role or the actor that plays that role. That actor is going to bring a different flavor to that role than a different actor. So a profile, one profile will be a different flavor to the energy type. Yeah. And then the incarnation cross is kind of like the story arc of the film. Oh, okay. So your incarnation cross kind of speaks to, in some regards, it contains information about maybe what your truest, deepest soul purpose is in mm. this lifetime. Um, but very much talks about like the theme of your life experience. So I'm born under the right angle cross of tension. Okay. And that is all about... Um, and, and remember, all energies in human design have a positive expression when in alignment or a negative expression when out of alignment. So just as the, the overall energy type has its not-self theme, every channel, every gate, every center has its not-self theme also. And it goes deep and deep and deep and deep. So I'm born under the right angle cross of tension. And so that's all about... Um, it's it's an energy I have to create tension or provoking others to step into what is ultimately greater awareness or consciousness. And, but that can also be received because it's tension, this notion that um, growth doesn't come without a bit of like tension, right? Like when a seed is coming through the soil, it's got to like burst through. There's a hard part. And I very much have had that in my life where I feel like it's fallen on deaf ears. When I think about the relationship I have with my parents, for example, they're kind of like, we know that maybe what you're saying is like correct or true, but I don't want to hear anything about it. And it's not received very well. Yeah. Um, but I would also, when I'm out of alignment and I'm like pushing that energy onto others, it can be received. It's, it's like, it can come across as like, I'm just provoking fucking something for the sake of it. Do you know what I mean? Like right, tension right. for the sake yeah. of it. But in a positive way, it's like I can guide people through like the tense area of like growth or transformation, like a facilitating transformation could be a way that that, that right angle presents itself or um, the cross of tension presents itself in my experience. So um, it's, I mean, it's interesting now that I work in human design and, and I have this beautiful 
framework where I can exercise that energy of my incarnation cross on a daily basis. But it just, just by me being me, it's, it's absolutely the theme of my life experience. Wow. And you can kind of look back on your past experiences and it all kind of makes sense. Yeah. See where it was in alignment, out of alignment, all of those kinds of things. But the, the cross itself is, um, like a geometrical positioning at the time of your birth where, where the energies of the sun and the earth on your conscious and unconscious side, I might be getting a little bit too technical, it's but okay. basically <laughs> it, creates, it. <laughs> it creates a cross at that moment of birth. And wow. so we can see from the numbers next to the incarnation cross, that indicates what gates have been lit up at that time of birth. And so the um the sun gate on the personality side which is the black side on the right side of a chart if you're looking where all the numbers and the symbols of the planets are um that very top number that gate and it will be for you 0.5 so whatever that gate is on your incarnation cross it'll be 0.5 because that's the um five in your profile okay yeah um that energy probably constitutes about 70% of your incarnation cross. So you could just look at that one number and that gate and then find out what the energy of that gate is and really lean into that energy um, to help support you kind of living in alignment with the general theme of your life experience. Wow. This is amazing. <laughs> I love everything about this how have you seen your own life transform by knowing all of this oh my god um it's just it's unreal it's honestly unreal it's transformed because everything that was ever me as a little girl as a little person all of those knowings that always existed mm. it's like Honest, and at the moment I'm going through a really like deep integration process too, which is really exciting because, and I noticed last night, I, for the first time, probably since I was like maybe seven or eight, I was like, I feel like that little girl again, like, and not like in a child-ish yeah. sense, but the essence of who that little person was before she became like tainted by life experience. Yeah. Um, I just, I was like, oh my God, I'm her. And it felt, I'm getting like goosebumps talking about it, but it just felt so good. So it's transformed my life because it's been my journey home to myself. And oh, I got goosebumps after you just said that. <laughs> I, I have like a deep inherent trust in myself and I, I have a deep understanding of where I fit in the world. And I, feel comfortable and safe in, in my sense of purpose and in knowing what my strengths are and knowing how to really love and take care of myself. Um, and it's, I mean, even today I was just reading another thing up was I'm always doing study and research cause I love to nerd out about it, but it's just this gift that never stops giving. I can dive deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and, just more layers of myself are revealed in a way where it's like another homecoming and another homecoming and another one. And it's just, it's like, Whoa, like, wow. It's so cool to meet myself on all these different levels. 
Yeah, I love that. I just think it's such an amazing thing that it was channeled through this man in the 80s. And mm, he's from Montreal. He's from Montreal. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that is wild. Yeah, isn't it? I, yeah, it's you're so in crazy. Montreal and he's from Montreal. Wow. Yeah. So symbolic on so many levels. Um, I just, do you think that it came at a time in history and has really been kind of expanding now into this cultural landscape way more at this time for a reason mm, like people yeah. really need it right now i mean from through the lens of human design we're experiencing what they say is a paradigm shift so in the year 2027 we're coming to um because of planetary movement where we're moving into a different stage in humanity and that's not a wild thing to imagine because you yeah. you just tra- you just have to trace human evolution back to you know when we were cave people um, and and you know to see like what uh, what chapters in humanity have occurred so we've had like the industrial revolution and it's really interesting because the next phase that we're entering into is um, one where our current structure of being is it needs to be completely dismantled for us to enter into this new phase, which is more about um, the self and it's more individually sort of focused. So in a general sense, I anticipate, and it's not unsurprising because there's already data to suggest this, but we're moving into a stage where I think they're predicting 80% of the workforce by 2030 um, t- yeah, by 2030, we'll be freelance or self-employed. Wow. Um, and I- that really ties into, I mean, 2027 is around the time that we're, well, it's not going to happen right at 2027. I mean, the yeah. shift is already occurring now, starting probably with, you know, we had the financial crisis back in 2008. Um, we've had that whole period. And the millennials that have grown up in that, I think, are really, um, essential to this shift which is it's been an interesting ride I think for millennials because uh you know they've probably a lot of them have come out of university into this financial crisis situation so jobs weren't super available to to I would say our generation and then and then we've had the digital revolution. So that has completely shifted up how we've shown up in, in our working lives. And for many of us, it's made, you know, that tertiary education almost redundant because we've had to learn to operate in an entirely new system. Yeah. Um, the hierarchical structure of the corporate world is being dismantled. Things like the Me Too movement are coming up and we're starting to finally really honour, like, gender discrepancy um, in life (laughs) and that it's not going to be in the industrial revolution. We needed this more patriarchal, like, um, like muscly sort of energy to, to move us forward, but we don't, that's not serving us anymore. It's like anything you grow out of an old pair of overalls. They don't serve you anymore. As a society, we've grown out of those old ways of operating and existing And it's not that surprising to me that human design arrived when it did and that I feel like it's starting to really peak in popularity now. And I I don't know if if it's, I wouldn't say it's mainstream, but I wouldn't be surprised if in a few years time it becomes a more mainstream understanding in the way that astrology is. 
Um, I mean, I, my fear is that it will be deduced to just your energy type, which is so wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, but hopefully I'll do something about it with my relationship to it. But, um, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. It's these things are serving as a purpose because we're entering into a new stage of life where we really need to know ourselves, know our gifts, know our strengths and know how to share that in, in a way that is going to continue to support the evolution of humanity into a next, into a next phase. So yeah, it's going to feel really tricky for the next little while. But I mean, truthfully, I think for the millennial generation, the majority of our generational experience has been tricky. Oh yeah. We've gone through so many different evolutions already. And absolutely. We were, we were part of the generation that did not have the type of technology that we do. And then we, you know, traveled through it. So we were kind of both spheres. Like I was born in 85. So I, you know what I mean? And then getting out of high school, getting into social media, there's so many different things that transpired. And even now we're going through a huge transition moment. Oh yeah. It really feels like this call for authenticity. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the planet needs. Mm. Like if you think of like mother earth and just the things that are going on and, and sustainability and just our connection to preserving our planet, um, people who are aligned and feel authentic and feel lit up and feel kind of in flow are all a part of that symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Yeah. There is, there is a call for everybody to come home to themselves because any meaningful change starts with us and we're no good to anybody if we're operating out of alignment according to someone else's agenda. That's just not what we're here to do. That's like a, 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 tree trying to grow into like a zebra you know what I mean like it's just stupid it doesn't work like that so we have to come back home to ourselves and understand who we are and what we have to give give to the world and not from a place of ego like I need to make a big important impact in this life experience but just to know that your very existence means something Mm -hmm. and that you can use your inherent energy to share your gifts. And this is the whole purpose of human design. It is to differentiate out of this homogenized way of existing so that each of us basically reach over in human design. They say it takes seven years to go through an entire deconditioning process on a cellular level. And after that period of time, you it's almost a journey to um, awareness or consciousness in the way that you need it. Because again, it's like we have this mass consciousness, which is also this like matrix that we exist in. But each of us individually have our own truth of which we're, how we're supposed to see the world and how we're supposed to perceive everything and then share that with everyone. It's like if every person was a piece of a pie if we were all living our inherent energy and came together, there would be this incredible harmony because we all need each other and we could all share our gifts with each other and it would create this beautiful flowing thing. Obviously that's super utopian and idealistic. (laughs) I mean, you can see the power in understanding who you are and like showing up in the world in the way that you're supposed to show that you, so that you can share your unique perspective with everybody. Yeah. And then you can also, your truth. 
Yeah. And have that flow and ease within your life. Oh yeah. It transforms everything when you start to live by those principles. And it's almost like it just, it gives you, like you were saying, the authority to just be authentic and whole and come back to yourself. And when you're living from that place, um, it just, that's when the miracles start to kind of really flow in. It's just like when you were a kid, right? And you were constantly in awe with life and you could pick flowers and stare at them and admire them. And at that stage in your life as a child, you didn't have this conditioned mind. You hadn't developed all of the language and vocabulary to form judgments about every one of your experiences. And instead you had a chance to just be present with it and in awe of the miracle that is life itself. And so I think for me, my experience with human design has been a journey back to that where it's like, that's how it's supposed to feel to exist in this life. This is what, you know, ancient wisdom teachers are talking about Jesus talking about heaven or Buddha talking about Nirvana. Like this is like, that's what it is. It's just that feeling of like complete bliss and comfort and safety in your own existence. I love that so much. Um, I would love to pivot a little bit because I know that writing and travel is such a part of your experience Mm. as well. And I have this, you know, idea that, you know, we were born in certain places for a reason (laughs) and we just have that connection. Um, I would love to hear a little bit more about Australia, your favorite places there Mm. really connects you to that kind of culture and the people from there and, and all of that. So it's really interesting because (laughs) even as you just asked me that, I was like, Oh, (laughs) I don't, I don't have, um, I don't have like a deep, deep, deep resonance with Australia. That's so amazing. That that's so interesting because I feel like that too with where I grew up. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I was raised by my Polish grandmother. So there was, there was that whole influence. I was brought into um, a fairly dysfunctional family environment. So there was that. I grew up in a really little town, which I'm very much a small town kind of person in all Mm -hmm. honesty. Like I love in hindsight, looking back, I'm so grateful that I grew up in this beautiful, tiny country town in Australia. It is absolutely gorgeous. But, um, yeah, I, my favorite places in Australia are the, it's like the nature is so gorgeous. There's mm-hmm. the South coast of New South Wales. Um, there's a, a place called Batemans Bay, which is like a, a little bit of a bigger center. And then North of that, there's a place ki- called Kyola. And I used to go camping there a lot. And it's like the bush meets the ocean and you, there are just clear, like all along that coastline is probably like my favorite, favorite, favorite place in all of Australia. Um, so much, like I'm really drawn to the nature and I could certainly see myself living there again, but I don't have a strong relationship to Australian culture because my family isn't Australian in terms of generally yeah like I have a stronger cultural resonance with Poland yeah um and European culture um and and as such 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, Australia is pretty like vast in terms of the cultures that do live yeah. there. Yeah. And I feel like Canada is very similar to that too, because mm. my whole family is from Eastern Europe. They're all from Croatia. So, and then we grew up here really in the Croatian culture. Mm -hmm. So if someone would be like, oh, how do you feel about Canada? It's like, I feel, I mean, I feel grateful. I grew up here. I had yeah. so much more, like I had so much opportunity, you know, and I think that there was like a real specific reason why I was here as opposed to growing up in Croatia. Mm -hmm. And, but there's that, you know, in kind of my, you know, lineage and spirit, it's like that connection to Eastern Europe and mm. the history there and just like being on the coast and by the water and, mm -hmm. and, um, all of that. But it's like, multiple different layers to mm. the person that I am. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that for sure. Yeah. I feel like that's a similar thing to me too. Mm. I love that. Um, and you have a podcast. I do. <laughs> yeah. The wild hearts podcast, the wild hearts club podcast. Yeah. Yes, which I um, love. <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, that was a baby. I birthed into the world, uh, a little under 12 months ago, I sat on it for about two years waiting to like put it out into the world. Typical out of alignment manifesto. <laughs> I love that. I had worked previously for um, some agencies and, and we had clients and I would um, produce podcasts for the clients. So um, with my background in television, I had a really strong understanding of like production and being able to sort of tell stories in an episodic kind of sense in the way that a podcast is told. And um, I mean, there's so much crossover with like radio journalism and, and yeah. sort of production I was used to in media. Um, so I was fortunate to work on a number of like successful podcasts for different companies through this agency I used to work for, but um, I often would get a little frustrated because I would be like, oh, I, I would be directing hosts and um, giving them the questions to ask and, and guiding them. But um, <laughs> I used to get frustrated because I'd be like, oh, I'd just be so much easier if I could be doing this. Doing like, so, let me yeah. just do the whole thing, right? So when I stepped away from all of that work um, and I needed downtime for a while, but yeah, I just, I had this kind of itching desire to to start a podcast because it would kind of satisfy that journalistic streak in me which is very fascinated with talking to different people and um sharing stories I think there's so much to be learned from other people sharing their stories and so much of my journey too has been one of um leaning into vulnerability and and I think that the most authentic relationships and connections and learnings occur when we create a safe space for vulnerability to exist. Yeah. And I am just such a huge proponent of that. So I feel very honored that I get to interview people and talk to people who are willing to wear their heart on their sleeve a little bit and actually talk about the messy parts of life. Mm -hmm. um, it that. is not, always a cakewalk and I think so much of our society is built on this facade that 
everything is always perfect and beautiful. And especially in spiritual circles, there's a lot of bypass. Yeah. And, and that has not been my experience at all. And I just, for me and, and what relates to my truth is talking about life from all angles. And that means the messy, hard darkness. And that requires vulnerability to share that in a way that lands with people in a meaningful way. So yeah, that's, that's kind of why I started it. I love that. And I love that you kind of cover various different topics, but all with the lens of getting to the heart of the person and you're saying the vulnerability piece and this idea of not having it to be perfect, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. and even right now with, there's so many, I mean, podcasts out there, but the ones that I always love are just when it feels like two people are just having a conversation and you happen to be like kind of listening in on it or something, you know, and it's just this really in the moment flow of let's, you know, express these ideas and kind of whatever comes out in whatever way and not like not needing it to be this super formal, perfect version of a conversation. And I you're facilitating that because we, yeah, it's just, it's a beautiful way to learn about other people and to see ourselves within that as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's just the power of storytelling and having meaningful conversation as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I love to um, end the podcast with something I like to call cosmic pings. Okay. So there, it's like this little thing where whatever kind of sparks you, what comes to mind first with okay. these little questions, um, you can just let me know. So, all right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, a place you have always dreamed of visiting is um, the south of France. Jumped to mind, but I have visited it. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> to revisit it. <laughs> whatever comes to mind (laughs) uh your favorite your favorite moon phase full moon came to me first Mm. yeah I think that one's such a juicy beautiful one of just letting go and surrendering that's what I feel like yeah I I have as a kid I used to lie outside and just stare at the moon so when it was a full moon under a country sky it would just be I would just you could see all of its texture and beauty and the light it provided I just I think it's really beautiful yeah it's yeah a place in nature that inspires your writing Mm -hmm. um the Catskill Mountains (gasps) in New York State I love the Catskill Mountains so much oh it is, yeah, it's a, it's a definitely a huge place. That place has a high spiritual vibration. It really does. It's just, yeah, you can't even describe it. It's just so, oh. so beautiful and so yeah. amazing. I love that you said that. Um, energy is? Everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The cosmos are? Oh, unfathomable amazing and love is everything (laughs) life (laughs) love is life 
Amazing. I loved it. This is such a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing yourself and telling us all about human design and so much more. And I really think within this conversation, a big thing that I got from it, it was that this is such a nuanced practice. Mm. And I think getting a reading is such an invaluable thing for people to do. Um, so where can people connect with you if they want to get a reading from you? Yes. Um, thank you for that. Yes. You, so my website is um, www.nikkij.net. So that's N-I-K-K-I-J-A-E. And you can find me on Instagram at heynikkij. Um, same spelling, of course. And yeah, that's kind of where I'm floating around on the interwebs. Um, and I have the Wild Hearts Club podcast, yes, which you yes. can find on any podcast platform if you search for it. <laughs> Amazing. And mm. it just feels like a, yeah, I just love the way that you describe human design and it feels very intuitive as well. Mm. And it must be that every single reading is so different for you. Oh my God. Yes. And I love it. I just get so excited every single time I get to see someone else's chart and it's just a perpetual reminder of how beautifully different we all are. Like a girl I read for this morning, a woman, I should say, um, she's, an emotional two four manifesto like myself, but her, her chart is just so wildly, wildly different from mine. Like her whole role and it experiences just like that. There, there are similarities that I could draw on to support her in explaining how to manage those energies, but everyone is just so unique and different and beautiful. And we're all here to, to just, be ourselves and like give that gift to the world like it's so 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 beautiful so yeah I I just more than anything I I love it because if I have any part in encouraging someone to trust themselves and like love themselves unconditionally and honor themselves that's so beautiful to be able to connect people to that that part of them yeah and you're just so on your path and so in alignment with this. Thank and you. Uh, I'm just so grateful that you had this conversation with me. <sighs> and I know that it's going to resonate so much with people. Um, I've learned so much today. So thank you. I'm just so We'll have to. We, we should read your chart on an episode or something and do like we, a live Oh reading. my God, that would be really fun because then we could get could be fun. real deep. Totally, <laughs> totally. Me as a guinea pig. <laughs> And it's, it's so fun. I love chatting about it and um, yeah. It's so yeah. great. And I love that I found you through uh, Caitlin. Oh, bless her heart. I love oh, her so much. Her work is so amazing. Her, the place that she lives in the cabin is so dreamy. I just, and you guys are coming out with, um, we should mention this, uh, personalized meditations that find the human design, right? Yeah, so um, Caitlin is another incredible soul who is is very much in alignment with herself and we just, we connect so well and we've teamed up. It's so exciting to create this together because she has 
a real gift with her voice, like listening to her voice seriously in a meditation. It's like the most soothing thing ever. (laughs) And so basically we came together and after doing readings for people too, and I think it's, it's the case in any kind of one-on-one type session scenario, it's all great to get all of this information, but what do you do with it once you have it? Yeah. So the p- purpose behind these meditations is to really further integrate what you're learning. And even if you haven't had a one-on-one session, because all of the different energy types have their own specific things to work through, it's really targeted at empowering each of the different energy types. Um, so yeah, we're starting with that and we'll expand the, the meditation library to incorporate profile and authority down the line. But, um, we're hoping by the end of the month, they'll be ready to launch. We've also teamed up with a musician from New Zealand who's providing, um, all of the track music for the meditation. So yeah, so they'll be coming out soon. I'm so excited. It's like one of the most fun things that I've been able to create with someone. I love it. I'm really proud of it. It's such a unique expression and something that I just feel like you're just expanding and creating so much beautiful uh, tools for people to use. So I'm excited. Thank you. Thank you so much, Anna. This has been such a beautiful experience. Oh, it's been amazing. So good. Thank you.